Welcome to Beside the Burn for Monday the 15th of November. Uh, you join us as we start the final week of our studies of finding Jesus in Genesis. And this is week number eight and we're coming to the story of Joseph. Now, we haven't finished with Genesis completely. Uh, I don't even think we finished with the story of Joseph at the moment because there's so much in this one person to look at and to find out about. Uh, but... We're stopping for now and then next week we're going to be moving into our series for Advent. Now we are beginning a week early in Advent just to manage to get all the readings in. As you look at the blog you'll see details of Finding Hope Under Bethlehem Skies, a book of devotional readings for Advent. Uh, which we're going to be following and it's going to lead us through the book of Ruth and we're going to look at it on Sundays as well. If you can get the book great. Uh, if not, um, you can still follow along day by day uh, and listen on Sundays uh, to all that we're going to learn about Ruth and indeed about our Messiah. But for this week, we're going to begin by looking at Joseph together. And we've already looked briefly at a, a large overview of Joseph's life on Sunday. Uh, and so today we're going to look in a little bit more detail at some of the aspects of his life. And we're going to begin today by looking at this whole idea of Joseph being the beloved son and how that points forward to Jesus being God's beloved son and being sent into the world. So by the time that Joseph arrived in Jacob's family, it was already full of lots of brothers. And from the very beginning of his story, we're told that Israel uh, loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age and he made an ornate robe for him. So we have the intensity of the love that Jacob has for his son Joseph. And I suppose that's matched by the intensity of the hatred that the other brothers had for Joseph. He was the youngest and yet he was the favoured one. He'd taken the position that the other sons should have had and that did not go down well with them. In Genesis 37 and verse 4, we're told when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. And you can almost feel the tension mounting already right at the beginning of the story. We don't know much about Joseph at this stage, but the tension is there. And the antagonism of Joseph's brothers towards this favoured son was only exacerbated when Joseph told them about his dreams. And we read about that then later in chapter 37. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brother said to him, do you intend to reign over us? After all, this was the youngest brother saying to all the rest, I'm more important than you. Will you actually rule over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Then he had another dream and he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I have had another dream. 
And this time the sun and moon and eleven stars were bowing down to me. When he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. So there's a lot going on here. I'm not going to go into all the details of it. But this idea of the father keeping the matter in mind is very like Mary keeping uh, the matter of Jesus teaching uh, in the temple uh, in her mind. Whenever that time that they took him there and as a young boy uh, and he stayed behind whenever they returned home. So understandably, Joseph's brothers were offended by the suggestion that God had given him a vision of the future in which one day they were going to be the ones bowing down to him. And they already resented him for being their father's clear favourite. And this just pushed them over the edge. In a culture in which elders were uh, reverenced by the younger, Jacob was understandably taken aback as well. Yet he wasn't too quick to condemn his son's dream. He must have thought back to that night whenever God clearly spoke to him through a dream in which he saw the angels going up and down on the ladder that was leading to heaven. And Jacob knew the power of a dream from God. So he just kept the matter in mind. Jacob should also have remembered the pain inflicted upon him by a father who obviously favoured his brother Esau and been determined not to inflict the pain as putting a favourite among his own sons, but he didn't seem to learn the lesson from that. And whenever his oldest son Reuben slept with Jacob's concubine Bilhah in Genesis 35 and verse 22, it gave Jacob an excuse to give the status of the firstborn to another son, his favourite son, Joseph. So we see the family relationships being repeated again. That was the significance of the colourful robe that he gave to Joseph. This wasn't a working man's coat, but it was a royal robe. It was one that said, I am head of the family. I have a privileged position. And Jacob gave it to his youngest son, Joseph. Now, sometimes because we have grown up with this as a story told to children, we get the kid-friendly version of it and we can be unmoved by the horror and the harshness of what actually happened to Joseph. But I suppose now that we're growing up, let's allow ourselves to see it for what it is. Whenever we read that the brother stripped his robe from him, that's the same word that it would have been used for skinning an animal. This was a violent attack by the brothers on Joseph. And then the, the term that's used for throwing him into a dry cistern is a term used for just discarding a dead body. Joseph was dead to them and he lay bruised and bleeding on the rocky floor of the dried out cistern where his brothers, I suppose, expected him to starve to death. And as he begged his brothers to spare his life, they were callous enough just to sit down to supper and just ignore the cries that were coming from him. 
They said to one another, surely we're being punished because of our brother. We saw how distressed he was when he pleaded with us for his life, but we would not listen. That's why this distress has come on us. And then while their original plan was to let him die, one brother got the idea of making a little money out of a deal for him. And therefore they ended up selling him to the Ishmaelites. Now, we don't know what happened whenever Joseph went into slavery in Egypt, all the details at the beginning, but perhaps he expected his father to come and save him whenever he heard what the brothers had done. But of course they managed to keep that away from their father and made their father assume that he was dead. And therefore Joseph was coming to terms with living in this way and accepting what had happened to him. He must have been longing for his own home and his own people again, yet I suppose somehow in the painful darkness of the pit and the confines of the slave quarters and then later on in prison, Jesus or Joseph not only knew that God was with him, but also was confident that God had a plan to use him and that plan was working out no matter how uncomfortable it was. That confidence gave him peace as he waited for God to work out his plan and even as that plan brought him pain. Joseph held on to the revelation that God had given him of his future, that one day he would be exalted. And his memory of the dream and his confidence that it was a vision from God of the future uh, that God would bring about enabled him to endure the violent attack of his brothers and the humiliation of standing naked before heathen slave traders and then being carried off into Egypt and everything that followed that. It reminds us of what the writer to the Hebrews says about Jesus. We're told in Hebrews 12 and verse 2, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross scorning at shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You see, Jesus was confident in the plan that God had to use him to save his brothers in Israel, those very brothers who hated him. Because Jesus also was stripped of his clothing. He was descended into the pit of death. He too cried out with tears to him who was able to save him from death. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. So his confidence in what was ahead when he would be exalted in heaven at the right hand of God surrounded by a great multitude of his brothers, empowered Jesus to endure the cross. Now one day, Joseph lived in the comfortable home of his father where he enjoyed the privileges of being the chosen heir. And the next, he was targeted and attacked and humiliated, ending up as a common slave in a foreign country. It's an incredible turnaround of events. And what a picture, I suppose, that provides us with of the humiliation of God's son, Jesus, who 
was not an unwilling victim like Joseph, but willingly offered himself up to be treated in this way. We get a little insight in Philippians 2, um, verses 5 to 8. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So where all this happened to Joseph and he had no choice, Jesus did have a choice, but he still followed the same path. And Joseph's emergence from the pit of death and eventual ascension to the right hand of Pharaoh also provides to us a picture of the resurrection and the glorification of God's beloved son. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Just as Jacob's sons one day bowed down before Jesus as God had told him in the dream, so the day is coming when all will bow down before Jacob's greater son, Jesus Christ. And that is what we look ahead to. So we have this wonderful story of Joseph and all these things that happen to him that are clear in our minds. And because it's Joseph and his family, we can work out the tensions, we can see the problems and the pitfalls. And it gives us this beautiful insight as to who Jesus is and how Jesus brings us salvation. So let's bow before God in prayer together today. Lord God, we thank you for the story of Joseph. But Lord, we thank you how much Joseph teaches us about you. And so Lord, we thank you that you are the one who willingly went and faced the punishment that we deserved. You willingly went to the cross and suffered and died so that our sins could be taken away. And Lord, you did that because of our sin and not of any sin of your own. And so, Lord, we praise you, we worship you, we honour you today, and we ask, Lord, that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. For we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.